What's up, guys, and welcome back to Beyond the Void, or podcast. That's right, we're back for episode 149, and today we're taking a step back into the 80s again uh, with two movies. Do we have to leave the 80s? Yeah, I don't know. Like, like I don't like to. Just... I know, it feels like home. Right, it's all warm. And... We're old. <laughs> <laughs> Get off my lawn, you piece of shit. So this week, we're going to go and talk about a couple of movies. We're going to kick it off with Night Killer from 1990, and... And Night Beast from 1982. That's right. Two night movies. And they have really nothing in common except maybe someone getting punched in the chest. You should like play like the Night Rider song. Copyright strike. Just kidding. Uh, I don't even think we get anything for that. <laughs> like our YouTube is not exactly. We're not pulling in money, guys. So no. just, you know, uh, this is all just our nerd nerddom ish thing yeah so how you been though like how's your week dude i've actually had a pretty shitty week and yeah it's just all attitude and maybe that's why i'm probably gonna have a negative review on some of these movies you know don't take it out on movies patrick i i I just it i don't know what it is you must unlearn what you have learned patrick (laughs) (laughs) but yeah yeah a pipe busted in my kitchen and I, I had to try to fix it. And I, I almost called Alex. Oh, I did call Alex. I was like, can we do it tomorrow? And Alex got some shit going on tomorrow. And he was like, that's not going to happen, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so he begrudgingly I, came here, folks. He hates me. Do you understand what I have to put? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> my kitchen's still in shambles. I'm yeah. going to come home and be like, whatever. Well, at least it's just a leak. I like the way you made it sound to me. It was like it was pouring out while you were talking to me on the phone. Like, that's what I thought. I was like, oh, oh. It, like if you run the water, it'll, It'll right, but you can just out. shut off the the. You don't as long as you're not running water, you're fine, right? Yeah. Okay. So that I, I that's what I was thinking. I'm like, <laughs> like it's still pouring out when I'm talking to you now. Yeah. So do you have to do baths and things in the bathtub there, or do you shower I'm there? Probably doing all my dishes in the bathtub. To be honest. <laughs> I mean. Hey, dude, we had our sink out of commission for like five to seven days. Yeah. And we had to use the bathroom, man. Like, and we couldn't use anything. It, luckily, I mean, it didn't affect the the washer a little. Or no, it did. That's right. We couldn't even use the washer. The dishwasher. Yeah. So we like. You know, we had to make do with what we had. Yeah, so. we definitely can't use a dishwasher either because it drains into the same fucking yeah. pipe. But I mean, I've had a pretty bad week too myself, but I will, I took solace in other people's like shortcomings, <laughs> uh, as far as like these movies, which are, right. you know, really kind of so bad. It's good kind of films, uh, which, you know, it's a, as I always say, that's a, it's a, there's different layers of bad. 
And there's right. like the I good, know we bad. differ on that because you're like, it's so bad, it's good. I'm I, like, you know, sometimes there's just some bad movies. Well, you know, sometimes you watch enough bad movies that you know which bad movies are the better bad movies. That's it what still I makes see. makes them bad regardless. Man, when I see like people trying to be like this, it, it doesn't sit right with me. I think what what's good about these movies is that they meant to be serious about it. Like right. th- this is all like serious shit. Like this was their magnum opus when they made this and it turns into something. So for those of you guys who were wondering, one of these movies is actually by the director Claudio Fergasso, who did Troll 2. And uh, that is notoriously known as the so bad it's good movie. Mm. Like... You know, but that's a movie that everybody thought was shit too until they started watching it again and again and again and again. And they were like, oh my God, this is just too funny. Even the director himself took offense to people because there was this newfound love for Troll 2. And like, he was like, finally, my day has come. My ship is finally ready to take me on the voyage of being a great director. And then it hits a fucking iceberg. And and then when they realized people were laughing at the movie while they were watching it, he was like, that's not funny. (laughs) That's good acting. You know, like, and it is, you kind of like the, in the documentary of that Troll 2 movie or the Troll 2 documentary, it like, you, you kind of see, like, it's kind of sad a little bit, you know, because Mm. everybody gets excited for it, but it's not that popular. You know, like, so I don't know. It's an interesting documentary. I'm very interested in Claudia Fergasso. Um, For some reason, this guy just makes so bad it's good movies. And like, even he thinks that's fucked up that people think that, (laughs) you know, I don't know. He like thinks he's like spinning like yards of fucking gold. Right. (laughs) I don't know. There's a fine layer of cheese that you need to kind of siphon through. And as I've over the three years now that I've like dug for these weird fucked up movies, I found some like the uninvited creatures from the abyss. Like these two movies are really bad movies, but man, they are so hilariously bad. Like, so it's, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to come up with a list by the way, guys are so bad it's good because that's all i ever talk about i'm, I'm addicted okay <laughs> he is and i try to tell him I was like dude some movies are just bad like like it was like <laughs> i used to make fun of jenkum and then all of a sudden i was huffing jenkum like i was like yeah you shouldn't huff turds you know like that's not good now i'm huffing jenkum these bad movies in other words <laughs> <laughs> and I'm addicted. He's I'm sorry. All, he's all janked up. I'm all janked up, man. Oh, you guys got Jacob? <laughs> uh, anyway, I think it might be that time, though, Patrick. Oh, shit. Horse shots! All right, guys. So now we're back to do our horror shots for this week. And uh, we watched both of these movies. Sometimes it's a little hard to find them. One of them usually pokes its head out and says, hey, make a drink for me. And I'm like, all right, yeah, I'll do it. So I make a shot. And I made it for you guys this week. It's kind of uh, interesting. Uh, if you're not a fan of gin, you might not like this one because we do put a third of gin in it, a third of ruby red vodka, and a third of blue Maui. And it's called The Restroom Hustler. <laughs> What about the urinal cake? You could put a little lifesaver in it. Well, he didn't have a urinal cake in the thing, so I didn't want to do that. But in the movie, this guy is chasing after a girl in in the movie, and he follows her into the bathroom to, like basically do bad things probably and so she pulls a gun on him and makes him undress flushes pants and then he comes running out it's really funny to me like i just like i seriously was laughing so loud last night patrick (laughs) 
Like I was, I just like kept shaking my head. Like this is not real. <laughs> uh, but for those of you who have seen the movie, you'll fucking totally appreciate that because he strips down to a blue banana, banana hammock. hammock. Yeah, and that's why we have the third blue Maui in there. You got the third gin and the third ruby red vodka because of her red lipstick or something. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that's the restroom hustler. Now, in order to take this shot, once you're about to take it, you got to say. I got molested in the little boy's room. <laughs> and then you shoot it, and you're good. <laughs> and forget about and, your and, troubled past. Yeah. It's <laughs> Some of you may be going, wow, that's really kind of tasteless. You know, like, what the fuck is wrong with you saying that shit? Well, if you saw the movie, it would make perfect sense. And it's the most ridiculous thing I've probably ever seen. But yes, guys, if you would love to do a restroom hustler, all you have to do is go to longlivethevoid.com and check out our hashtag horror shot section now. That's it for horror shots. So, guys, now it's time for us to jump into our flesh and potatoes of Night Killer from 1990 and, and 1982's Night Beast. Right now. All right, guys, so I'm just going to give you a little bit of a heads up about this. This this one's going to be a long one for you guys, but (laughs) because there's a lot to say about this movie. I've got trivia. I've got fucking all kinds of shit for you guys. Uh, But the movie Night Killer, the story is a serial killer with rubber-like Freddy Krueger mask terrifies the city of Virginia Beach. (laughs) Of course, came out in 1990. It was a movie that was directed by Claudio Fragasso and also Bruno Mattei, but we'll get into that later. Uh, Claudio Fragasso, as I mentioned earlier, is the guy who directed Troll 2, Zombie 4. Uh, he's done a ton. Uh, he did Zombie 3. He's, he's also, you know, also like an assistant. Uh, he's also a writer. He's even done bit roles in a lot of the parts that he's done. Um, I have collected a lot of his movies. And I, I think I'm getting close to all of his horror stuff that he's done. For was the Robot part. War a rip? Robo War was that a rip off of Robot Jocks? No, it was a it was a knockoff of RoboCop. Technically, in the jungle. Oh, okay, check. Also, this movie was helped written by Claudio Fragasso and his wife uh, Rosella Drudy, who has done pretty much everything that he's done as far as writing uh, with him on on pretty much all of his movies. She's also, you know, she has an acting credit. Um, She's written a lot more than just what he does, but she's worked on movies like Crawlers, Beyond Darkness, Troll 2, Zombie 4, Born to Fight, Interzone, Shocking Dark, Cop Game, Robo War, Strike Commando 2, and the list goes on. This movie was also starring... Quite a few people that have been in other familiar films that Claudio Fragasso has actually worked on. You have Peter Hooten, who plays Axel. He's better known for his role in Inglorious Bastards as Tony. He was in Orca, Soul Eater, The Soldier, The Mod Squad, Night of Terror, and many more. House of Blood also, by the way. Um, it also stars Tara Buckman, who is Melanie in this movie. She was in Cannonball Run, Silent Night, Deadly Night, 
Extro 2, Freddy's Nightmares, an episode of that, Blue Angel Cafe. She even did an episode of uh, Chips and the (laughs) 1979-80s version of Buck Rogers. So she's been a lot of stuff. Uh, It also stars Richard Foster, who plays Sherman. He's been in a few things, nothing... really notable other than this movie a movie called pool days and to heal a nation which was a tv movie it also stars mel davis as detective clark this is pretty much the only thing he ever did it also has lee lively who played dr willow he's been in quite a few movies uh about eight total but zelly and me lincoln the prince of tides blind vision and a few others tv shows included he was in matlock a lot too so also, Claudio Fergasso made his own appearance in there. We'll get into that in the trivia section. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, I don't know how much this movie was, but I will say it was from 1990. And this is when the Italian films were kind of like winding down. So they had smaller crews. They had, you know, they started cutting back on their funding because Italian cinema and horror movies, you know, were huge back in the day. Uh, but they started winding down a little bit uh, with that and uh, making smaller budget stuff. So. But, Patrick, please tell me your thoughts on this fine piece of cinema. It was trash. What'd you think? <laughs> <laughs> Took that to heart, huh? <laughs> uh, no, that is what he said to me at first, but... It is. It is. I was like... I this... told him, I said, you got to be a little bit more objective than that. I was like, there there was no art to this movie whatsoever. There was, like, the cinematography, What there was none. There is an art to being shit. I mean, the... the you would at least think that he would have some kind of artful way to t- shoot some of these scenes, but it was all just pretty much just straightforward. Right. Everything in this movie is pretty much straightforward. He he tries to do a little twist with the plot, but mm-hmm. it's also, I don't know, predictable. Okay. You think? I do. I wasn't expecting that some of the stuff. I like knew where some of it was going, but I did not predict it. 100%. The only thing that I couldn't predict was the very end with the little girl. Oh, really? And the present. I knew that was coming. See, I didn't. That's, I knew that was coming when I when they when they showed it in the beginning. Right. Yeah. See, I didn't. Go ahead. Though. So that's maybe one. Maybe because I was just lost in the shit. <laughs> like waiting You're through reeling all this diarrhea. Uh, I, I I thought the opening scene was just like it really set it up for failure for me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like you know what I'm talking about. I I know I I just know what I was getting into as soon as I saw that first couple death scenes. I was yeah. like, this is not going to be good. <laughs> I'm not going to enjoy this. Okay. Uh, I think maybe we have different perspectives on so bad it's good movies. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I see a movie that's so bad, I'm like, it's just bad. Yeah, and I don't even want to call it good by any means. Uh-huh. Just because, like, I. Don't, well, what would you consider so bad? It's good film, other than Troll Two. Just curious. Like, what would you consider? Because maybe your level of tolerance is higher. Like, you'll watch something like uh, what was the robot one we did? The fucking uh, the Vindicator. No, not the Vindicator. Like, I thought the Vindicator was bad. Like, that's bad, but it's kind of enjoyable. Yeah, but it's enjoyable for the sense that they actually put merit into some of the stuff they were doing within oh, the film. You okay. know what I'm saying? Long as you put a f- one foot forward and try to put some sort of effort towards something you're working towards to, you would know you, that show me some effort would you say that uh chopping wall is i i actually 
you know, Chopping Mall, yeah, that is one of the movies that's so bad it's good. Okay. Um, See, I think it's more mainstream than it is so bad it's good. It I'm, is definitely mainstream, yes. But more, you're saying, more. I'm not saying it's mainstream. I'm saying it's more mainstream than, than something Killer. like Night Killer. Right, yeah. definitely. But so bad, so good, or so bad that it's good for me is like most trauma films, if not all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, that's okay. my level is so bad it's good. Some of those I can't even tolerate. Like, like Kabuki Man? You can't... Some of them. I'm not saying all of them. Just right. Saying, like, some of them are like, wow, you got this in here, huh? <laughs> you did that, huh? You did that. But even with Lloyd Kaufman, he, he he just has a... There's always some art into what he's producing. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, sometimes he just buys it and distributes it, too, but... Yeah, like he did with Night Beast. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, it is a trauma release, actually. Yeah, it... Mm-hmm was uh years ago but now Vin- vinegar cinder picked it up and everything yeah. but but so so what were you expecting from this like what did you want like i'm very curious because well, I, I feel like i can bring you to the layer of cheese that i've been i've found that i can thrive in that i find funny t- like m- me it, i feel like this movie gives me material to make jokes right you know what i mean like it's so laughable it definitely is but i i just i don't know <laughs> I just, I just couldn't get behind it whatsoever. Uh, See, it surprises me because you like um, Bacon Bitch. Uh, oh, Slaughterhouse, Slaughterhouse. Which I thought was a little bit boring because it's too straight-laced. I, I actually, I think the thing that sold Slaughterhouse for me not only was uh, Bacon, but uh, the the killer, the main killer. Like, sure. No, he no, no, brought no, yeah. life and like... There's better acting in that movie as a whole, of course. I'm just saying, like, as far as enjoyment factor goes... I don't know. I couldn't really explain it. It was an overall feel of the movie that really, like, like I said, the first twenty minutes of that movie, I I wasn't a part of it. What about comparing it to this, though? I'm saying comparing it to this. Oh, it's. I think it's miles above this film. Mm-hmm. The leaps and bounds. Okay. As far as art direction, music. I just want to pick your brain, dude. Cinematography. I'm just curious. Like you, you guys, Patrick. You, I just want you guys to know the reason why I'm I'm giving him. I'm not like mad. I'm not upset. I'm just confused because like he hit me up and he was like this movie's trash and i was I, like I really what? didn't like the whole rape aspect of it it, right. it kind of offended me like okay. i just it just what seemed, about it offended you though like it, it seemed like it was being trashy for the sake of being trashy mm-hmm. it, it, it is considered like, italian sleaze it is and it, it, it like it almost makes me question people who like it it's like oh so you're that kind of creep <laughs> oh, I think that's unfair. And, and, and maybe unfair, but I, I and I'm like, I'm totally I probably am totally wrong. But it's it just seemed real sleazy and very underproduced. There was like I said, there was no art to it. Okay, there, there was no kind of merit for me in this film. So you know, I feel like if anybody tried to remake this, they would never be able to recreate what was made in this movie. Probably not. Right, because. It's so unique in that factor. Yeah. It's like this weird, perfect storm. Like, when you see some lady reaching on the top shelf and then she falls down, knocks the whole shelf down, <laughs> is that not enjoyable to you? I said, dude. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, I don't want the person to get hurt. Right. But it's enjoyable because it's funny. Like, you're like, oh my God. <laughs> like, oh shit, she just bashed her head on that. I think the only thing I actually enjoyed about this film was the uh, detective and some of his one liners were. Which is so weird. Pretty to funny. Me. Okay. All right. All right. Well, other than that, I uh, I didn't enjoy anything okay. about this film. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. So, what would you give it a score of? A half a star. Half a star. A so half a star. So, 0. 0.5 out of ten. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. Or is it just one star? And, and like, don't get me wrong, guys. Maybe it was just my state of mind this week that was just like 
I've just oh, that's unfair. Shitty. Yeah, I, I could, I could, I could be totally being unfair to this film, and maybe I'll, I don't know if I could. Maybe I needed a win again. this week, and that movie fucking that for me, you know? right? Um, well, that's fine, no problem, man. But I, I really, I really need to. Well, let's hear your side of the story. Like, Give it to like me. when I told, because I told Patrick, I was like, oh, I'm going to throw some worse movies at this than you, and you're going to really appreciate watching that movie at some point. It's like because I don't, I like to watch new stuff that I haven't seen, and this was one of those movies that was a risk for me, you know? Right. Like I hadn't seen it. I, I don't even think I watched the whole trailer. Well, I just you actually saw the blue money on the actual Blu-ray. Yeah, I bought the Blu-ray at Severn this year at the uh, convention for the Mad Monster, and I was like fuck yeah i gotta get this um i also got the um shocking dark too which is not it's a pretty bad movie too but it's also got its charm i don't know what it is right claudio fragasso i don't know what it is about him but he just does something for me <laughs> him and bruno Mattei. i don't know uh but my god guys this fucking movie for me <laughs> oh my god there are literally so many bad scenes that make no sense but Whatsoever. yet crack me the fuck up like you will never see acting like this in a movie for many movies like you know that scene in troll 2 where the guy's like no <laughs> times that by like 15 <laughs> in this movie okay like overacting crazy fucking shit it's so ridiculous it's funny to me don't get me wrong there are some scenes in this movie that may trigger a few people it is considered like i said an italian sleaze or italo sleaze um but although that's not what he was necessarily going for um and i'll get into that in the spoiler section he really wanted to make this movie a psychoanalytical thriller a um, a euro american thriller and at the time, that's how they were made. That's how they were done. So I think it's kind of like an exploitation slasher giallo flick. So bad it's good kind. Uh, it, it's unbelievably bad and unbelievable that I it's so unbelievable that I think that I don't think you guys are going to take any of the fucking parts that may trigger you seriously, especially how the movie wraps up when you find out what the twist is. Like they completely took it whole this whole movie very seriously. And I think that's what adds to like the charm and the camp and the fun in this. So it's hard for me not to laugh at it. Um, it is without a doubt probably one of the weirdest so bad it's good movies I've ever seen. At no time did I feel that the acting was believable, threatening, or realistic. I mean, yeah, it has those suggestive themes that I was talking about in the movie that could be upsetting, but like I mentioned, it's too stupid to even believe it anyway, because the acting is so piss poor. Even if there was a dramatic scene, you'd just be like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, plus, it, it does actually, in my opinion, have one of the most complex stories that one of these kinds of movies would ever have, like that I've ever seen, personally, for the so bad good it's good genre and uh i don't know it's just far too complex for it to, uh, to be a background watch like you really should intently pay attention to this movie so that you can kind of get an understanding for it i think if you're going to watch it by the way so which you know a lot of this stuff makes no sense what i'm saying here because it's so bad it's good you don't really need to pay attention but in the same respect if you do you see just how illogical the story how it unfolds and how nobody could ever mastermind such an outcome like it's ridiculous it's really hard for me to just kind of explain that to you guys because like it would be spoiling too much but i'm trying to kind of hit on some of those points but 
for those of you who just want to see how fucking crazy this movie gets in the spoiler section, I'm going to break it down for you as best I can with my my funny stuff that I think about when I'm watching this shit. Uh, so we'll definitely give it the BTV treatment. So you're going to stick around for that. And if you don't, don't want to and you just want to check out the next movie, you can always find the timestamps down below. But this movie in particular is made by the director of T- Troll 2. And for that reason alone, you should understand what kind of film this is if you've seen that. Like, you know it's going to be bad. But it's not a good movie, but what is a good movie? What defines a good movie? Are you literally asking me? No, I'm just saying it out loud. Like, it, like, and if you want to talk about it, we could talk about it. I'm not pointing at you. Right. Yeah, I'm, he's like, he's really on the defense on this one. Like, <laughs> like you want to fight? <laughs> you want to fight? No, I'm not. I promise you, I'm not trying to judge fight. you. I just, I feel like there is a layer of you that I just haven't unlocked. You know what I mean? Like, there's this layer that is just waiting to be, like, run into the fucking so bad it's good territory and be like, yeah! <laughs> he's shredding his clothes and jerking off on the stuffed animals, and it's a fucking wild party. Like, the societal norms need to be torn away so that he can just fully embrace this shitty film <laughs> yeah um but yeah like what is a good movie what defines a good movie whether you i mean some movies are overall just gr- good movies right yeah but there's some movies that excel at certain things and and you know what makes a good movie to someone else might not be for you you're like you don't like it i do right so it's always interesting to me to see what the difference between us is why did i get such a vastly different experience than you I can boil it down to maybe just headspace. Like I said, maybe I was just in a negative fucking mood and it was just like, this pushed me over the edge. And I was like, Dish. so in other words, don't be around Patrick when he's in a bad mood because you're going to get the full brunt of the numps. <laughs> <laughs> you will feel my hate. He'll be like, yeah, sorry. It's a bad week. I didn't mean to stab you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to kick your baby in the face. Yeah. You understand. Funny. <laughs> you must unlearn what you have learned, Patrick. <laughs> but, uh, like fucking for, paddle one over <laughs> for those of you who have been down this path with me with the so bad it's good thing that i always constantly talk about and i'm addicted to uh there was a film that we'd reviewed before called creatures of the abyss or creatures from the abyss I always get the confused and how nutso i was for that movie and just like how terrible it was would you say i should watch it was like fucking i remember as soon as i was like because i went on a rant oh because i always make my my category rating from hereditary being to the best for yeah to <laughs> howling four or seven and i'm like is it is it somewhere in between hereditary and howling four which they're talking about remaking what? Oh no, no, the remaking the Howling, but yeah. not Halloween Howling Four. No, no. Why would you skip the? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't even know why they're making a reboot. One of my friends, who's a huge fucking uh, uh, werewolf person, said, "Why don't you just make a fucking another one? It's like it matters. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they're all fucking different anyway. They don't even really run together so loosely. But anyway, Loose but that's hole. my scale. That's why I always say that because." When I watched Howling 4 and 7, I realized just how much I hated some of those, that movie, and like how hard it was for me to really watch it. For someone who gives like 200% to a movie that shouldn't get it 200% of anyone's attention. Like, so. Well, there's some movies like maybe I'll go back to Night Killer and I'll like it because, you know, there's movies behind the past that I've done that with, like Season of the Witch. Oh, you'll like it. it. I'll make you like it. I hated the Season of the Witch. And then I watched it when I was older and I was like, dude, it's actually pretty fucking good. (laughs) (laughs) Well,. For most people, I would say this movie could be a four or lower, like high, high level four for most people. If you're comparing it to like good films, 
Yeah. But if you're comparing it to other So Bad It's Good films, this is an easy seven or eight for me. Easy. Like, this is probably in my top five So Bad, so bad It's, it's good, good movies. Yeah. Like, And it may even, in some ways, surpass Troll 2. I know that sounds crazy, but... <laughs> I actually am just super impressed that I've missed this movie. I've never seen it. And now I own it. I'm like, it made owning it so much better. So, but that's, that's pretty much it, guys. I fucking loved it. If you like that kind of shit, you like Troll 2, I would say without a shadow of a doubt, you need to watch Night Killer from 1990. And Severin has copies that you can buy if you just want to go on a wing and you actually agree with the shit I do. If you don't, maybe, you know, try to find it. I don't know if you could read it or whatever, but you should definitely check it out either way. So... Now, we do have some trivia, so this is going to be the spoiler section for you guys uh, that don't want it spoiled. But for those of you who want to fucking just, you know, fuck the world, kiss my asshole. Yeah, <laughs> here, here you go. Get ready and lock in. This movie was the, the producers, they titled this movie Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. No, yeah. it is not. <laughs> yeah, that's what they called it, though, at the time. And, which Fergasso didn't like. Because either because uh, the producers wanted to call it that to they did that a lot of movies you know what I mean to try to make it you know pop and stuff like they even one of other Claudio Fergasso's movies was Shocking Dark and they called that movie Terminator Two <laughs> so you know so like you know like they say Terminator Two but this time Claudio Fergasso was like against it he didn't really want it but Severn even offered the cover the one that says Texas Chainsaw Massacre Three as part of their you know, sales thing, but they ran out, so you can't get that anymore. Um, this movie is also supposedly directed by Clyde Anderson. If you watch the movie, it says Clyde Anderson, but it's actually Claudio Fergasso. The uh, producers didn't want him using his Italian name for marketing reasons, so to try to reach a wider audience in America, because that's was everybody's goal back then, is to reach those fucking entertainment suckers out there in America. You know what I mean? Because they were the ones that were really into that kind of shit. So he said he got the name from his name being Claudio, which means Clyde, and Hans Christian Anderson being the other. So he even used Draco Floyd in Troll 2 as well. But he said Clyde Anderson is his non-Italian twin, like his mirror, his other. And that, you know, he sometimes talks to him in his mind saying, do you remember those days? Come on, you miss those days. <laughs> he want to go back to it. So he was teasing everybody in the extras about how he may come back as Clyde Anderson or some other thief in the night, a different name. Uh, that he can make another new movie with. So, and whether you like his movies or not, I, I respect him. I don't know why. I just, there's something about being able to make these kind of movies that nobody else has ever been able to do. He's made so many So Bad It's Good movies. It's just hard. There's just like this weird middle sweet spot that other people can't hit. They'll either be bad or good for me. Right. But, but he does it somehow in the middle every time, just about every time. Just hits that beam. Like I mentioned before, he thinks of this as a psychoanalytical was what he called it, psychoanalytical thriller, um, which I consider this a movie that's a horror genre. Um, he said it was he was sick of horror at the time, and he actually considered this that more than anything. This was technically supposed to be his big film to come back and like really take on the industry again. And even his wife even talks about it. She was like, maybe we need to see a therapist, you know, because <laughs> like, and I'm like, God damn, like that's some fucking savage ass shit right there. Oh man. But they're real people. You know, when you, when you listen to these like documentaries, they don't, they don't hide anything. They are themselves a hundred percent, like good and bad. You know, funny story though, on this movie is that Fergasso said that the first day of shooting, he actually froze. It was so cold for him. 
he said that his body locked up on set at the end of the day of shooting. So he went to a sauna and got a massage by a guy that looked exactly like Mike Tyson, he said. Where was this movie shot, by the way? Uh, it was shot in uh, Norfolk, Virginia. Okay. It was actually Virginia Beach. He was out there for something, and he said it. he compared it to Boston because it had that like British look. Mm, and maybe I was with like, the cobblestone roads and shit. Maybe. I just, you know, maybe it's just that old style that he was thinking of that right. just reminded him of it. But also Peter Hooten, who was the Axel guy who plays the like sexual guy, um, he did this movie and never acted again until 2013, so 23 years later. So he hadn't done a film after this. House of Blood, which was the next movie he did. Mm. And then he did, like I think, two other things after that, and that's been it. But how funny was it that his name was fucking Axel? Like, I just kept thinking, like, Axel Foley and shit. <laughs> like, well, and, and Peter Hooten was actually also gay. And the Tara Buckman chick, who was um, the the main actress of this movie, yeah. she had issue with it a bit, because not because he was gay, but because she wanted to have a macho man uh, in the role to encourage her to feel uh, like, susceptible objectified (laughs) power stricken you know stuff like that like she felt like that it would bring that character to life and for gasso was like he's an actor you're an actor what's the difference if he's gay or not it's all pretend anyway so it doesn't matter if you guys you know you should be good enough basically you should be good enough actors to be able to do it anyway so um if you're gonna be in hollywood you gotta know how to suck a dick (laughs) oh my god jesus Talk about fucking like being offended by a movie and you're saying shit like that. Uh, I'm just <laughs> uh, also, apparently on the set, there was a policeman who kept, you know, people away from the set and to help protect the shoot and everything and keep people away from like bothering them. And he said that a homeless man showed up minding his own business, just kind of curious. And the policeman just started beating him with a baton. What the fuck? Like, tell him to get the fuck out of there and stuff. And he was like, hey, you can't do that to the police officer. The police officer was like, well, you're on your fucking own now. I don't give a shit. And then just (laughs) left. He said then they made up and then he made that guy his personal bodyguard. You know, he's like, police officers are different in America. Not like out here. You know, they're tough. And I was like, (laughs) nowadays, especially, right? I know. I just thought it was funny. Shoot first, ask questions later. (laughs) Hands up. (laughs) <laughs> blah, blah, blah. hands up <laughs> jesus i don't think they're all like that but yeah. no um but the the uh another thing on the movie that i thought was interesting is that this movie was also shot and directed by bruno mattei who i mentioned earlier he's also well known in italy too of course for many films uh in the horror genre in italia italian films um but Fergasso wanted to shoot a different type of movie, not a horror, right? Remember I mentioned that? The studio wanted to add horror elements and gore with the killer killing people. And so they got Bruno to make those scenes dark and added things, you know? Um, Fergasso didn't want to have multiple cuts in his film. He wanted to have long pieces, uh, which I think added to the bad acting, you know, because... When oh, you, yeah, probably. When you fuck up, you just got to keep going, you yeah. know what I mean, for a long time. So uh, they didn't want to waste any film either. So, But Bruno did a lot of dark shots, you know. He wanted to have it well-lit, long shots, and Bruno wanted to have short shots with gore and stuff like that. And at the time, he was really pissed off about it. Like, Fergasso was like, how dare you? Like, he put in that whole scene with the... Uh, the dancing crew and everything like that that was never originally in there. Bruno shot that scene 
to make the killer kill people in the beginning. And uh, at the time, Claudio was like really pissed about it. He was like, how dare you fucking, this was supposed to be my movie that it was gonna take me out of the fucking, bar- bring me back to the industry and uh, turn his career around, he said, which, you know, they caused uh, a big break in their friendship because of that. That's what caused their big fight. He called it, quote unquote. Um, but he said, you know, I'm actually willing to admit now that looking back on the film, he was right. And those were parts were necessary in the film. It wouldn't have made sense. Yeah. But he was like, I was too into the, into the mix to see and be able to step back and look at it from his eyes. He's like, but now I realize he was right. There's other stuff, but you guys want to check that out. You can check it out on the, the Severn disc. I highly recommend it. Um, now we're going to kind of jump into some of our scenes and kind of break it down. This is going to be kind of a ride, guys. So I hope you're. You're ready for this because go get yourself some Kentucky Fried yeah. Chicken. Grab yourself <laughs> a nighty night time fucking pillow or a morning cup of coffee, and let's get ready to fuck. Get that bucket of chicken, ready. <laughs> chicken and frogs. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's acting, man. Uh, so first of all, did you think the dancing scenes at the beginning of the movie were stupid? Like that was like kind of like. Yeah. They were kind of bad. They were really bad. Like that guy, for whatever reason, the guy was bugging me the most. (laughs) The one closest to the camera. Yeah, yeah. He was like wearing the black shirt or whatever. So the scene starts out and there's all these people dancing and this woman's like being really particular particular about how they dance you know to try to insinuate that they're not doing it good enough even though they're doing it really great only problem is they were never doing it really great (laughs) and so her you know i mean like if you watch someone do like this ballet move that just amazed you then that would make more impact but then having this actress who was terrible at it by the way these people are dancing like (laughs) like you know and that guy just looked like a jolly asshole, like not even just like he didn't belong there. I don't know what it was, but he wasn't putting forth the effort. He, you know what he, he was kind of like half-assing. He it. reminded me of like Tom Green trying to imitate the people on stage. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I like that's that. I don't know what that was. What I was thinking the whole time. But anyway, they show this Freddy Krueger looking dude with a meaty fucking claw. So imagine this really shitty mask that has like one zombie eye. It almost looks like the uh, Toxie mask. Kind of. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I guess it does. But it but it had the same color and texture of like Freddy's face kind of, you know, later on. Yeah. But it was a mask. You could tell it was a mask. And then he had this glove that looked like uh, what was it? The, the last nightmare, the the one where they like. Oh, the one where it was like they're making the movie a movie. Came to yeah, life. yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of. It kind of looked like that hand that he had, that claw that was like his nails were long. It wasn't like a glove with f- steel fingers. So it, it's like these long nails and everything, just to give you kind of an idea. But he punches his fucking fingers through her chest. Fatality. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought every time it because it, it doesn't just happen once. Guys. No, it even for Gasso said that it was annoying. It was a go to. It was like you're playing like Mortal Kombat with your friend, and that's the only fucking move that he knows. Yeah, for Gasso <laughs> was even saying that he was like, yeah, they like. Did, I was like, why, why were you punching him through the chest? And you already did this a thousand times. Like, <laughs> jeez. But uh, so then they they have an obscenely bad acting part by the dance instructor trying to pretend she's upset with how bad the dancing group is dancing. Like I mentioned, oh, I just can't take. That. Yeah, I, she's I, like, I'm a little I, nervous. I just can't. I 
I, I, I just, oh, and she's like fumbling with her cigarettes and everything looks like you're watching someone in high school act. Yeah, it's it's so forced. It's really bad. And she's like, I got to go. And then she goes into another room and runs into Freddie Wannabe. Well, yeah, because one of the dancers was late and she went to go change. And she's like, I'm going to go check on Jessica. Yeah, but I'm too upset. I'm having anxiety. <laughs> this dance routine is just not right. Where the fuck are my Paul Malls? Yeah. <laughs> It kind of reminded me of that. Uh, but yeah, then then she runs into the Freddy wannabe. He slices her neck open, which is actually kind of cool, like gore right there. But yeah. the problem is, and Patrick will be glad to tell you about this part. So slices her neck open, looks cool. and But after that, she's running around and she's gasping for air. And, and, and you can see her throat. And there is no prosthetic. There's nothing. There's no blood dripping. It's it, it, She's just... It's like you played fucking Dungeons and Dragons with your friends or something. <laughs> well, you can tell because especially in the HD version, like all it is is just smeared fake blood on her neck and there's yeah. no scat. Like, and if she was gouged as deep as it looked in the fucking close up shot, like right. she would be dead in five seconds. Yeah, there would be no like. It, well, or she would be at least knocked out from all the blood loss right. at the very least. Yeah. And she's like trying to talk and she's holding her neck. <laughs> And he's like, come on. Yeah, and then he chases her up to the top balcony because they're in this big auditorium with a balcony and shit like that. And he punches out her chest all the way through the back like the other girl, and she falls off the balcony, and it's like... And then you don't see a hole in her chest either. Right. Uh, Now, all of a sudden, you're in a completely different part. It's like some other family, this woman and her daughter, and a guy shows up to her door with a gift for christmas and he's like hey clarissa this is for you don't open until christmas put it under the tree and she's like okay thank you and then he she's supposed to go to i guess clarissa is the daughter of melanie melanie is the mom yeah and i didn't know who he was at first but it was like one of the daughters clarissa's friend Clarissa's friend, whose name's Annie, who's the same age, she's a young girl, her father and her mother picked her up to go to some place, right? Where did they go? Some some fucking vacation spot, right? Did they really go anywhere, or was she just taking her to, like, It was weird, or? though, because, like, he pulled up in a different car, he meets to pick up Clarissa, and then she gets in a different car and drives away, and he's, like, waving away. Yeah, and, and I was kind of lost right there, too. I was like, wait, is this her husband, and they're on the rocks, and then she goes kiss this other girl? Right, that's like, what I was thinking, too. Yeah. Like, like, and then, then like, while all of this is happening, it's kind of like B-roll, because you don't really hear anybody talking. You just hear, like, this sexy sort of, like, fucking lethal weapon jazz 80s music and then it's got like the fucking bass line like slaps like Seinfeld in the background you know and it's like I, I mean I don't know if that's exactly how it sound but you can you can imagine okay but I was like sick <laughs> it totally reminded me of Lethal Weapon though um, the next scene is of uh, the mom of Clarissa, Mel- Melanie, looking up something. She's typing up something. And she's like, the news is showing like clips of like some people who died. She gets that fucking the phone call or whatever. Right. Well, she's she's a writer, I, I'm assuming. I'm not really sure because she's sitting around a bunch of books and typing and smoking a cigarette. And then she gets a call from someone who I can only guess at what? this point is her ex. Or like, yeah, some kind of booty call. Something. Right. And he calls her and he makes this weird voice. Like, I was like, he's sitting in a bar, you can't see his face, just a leather jacket, black gloves, and a terrible voice. Yeah. 
talking to her like Melanie, Melanie, <laughs> Melanie. And I'm like, what the fuck? And she freaks out and says, I don't want you calling me anymore. And then in some pretty bad acting, you know, it's like a really bad acting moment. And she hangs up and he's at the bar and screams at the bar on the phone and crushes a glass in his hand. And I'm like, what the fuck? It's like, you know, the black gloves, so it didn't cut his hand, obviously. Then it gets really weird, okay? She's at home looking in the mirror and takes off her top, like one shoulder at a time, exposing her breasts and is like, you're a mom with a kid, a marriage that's on the rocks, and only gray skies ahead, Melanie. And I was like... But she's like groping herself, yeah, too. Yeah, but well, maybe she's trying to say that she's beautiful to herself. I, I don't know. I, I don't know either, but it seemed a little out of place at that point. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like arguing like, oh, God, it was so terrible. Like, no, <laughs> it just was weird, you know? Yeah, it was like, off-putting. Um, but then the phone rings, and it's another guy with another weird voice talking about how he, how she is and how she, he's gonna not going to kill her. You're going to be different, Melanie. Yeah, you're different, Melanie. <laughs> ah, I'm not going to kill you right away. Mmm, sketchy. <laughs> yeah, it's like Schmeagol or something. <laughs> <laughs> still topless, by the way. <laughs> she's still topless. And some guy's pointing out what she's like, looks like and shit. And she's like, looking around like what the fuck who's watching me and i'm like there's cell phones at this time but not in the commercial like the you know household way it's like your cell phone in your car kind of thing right or like <laughs> you know your business has one because you need to be contacted at all times or yeah. you know it's never and it's like a huge brick you know <laughs> it's like a size of a fucking briefcase you know <laughs> hello <laughs> it's like a boom box yeah <laughs> Hey, can I speak to Tommy? <laughs> yeah, play. Sh- can you play? Uh, say anything? Uh, uh, <laughs> stupid. Uh, but still, you, you just kind of wonder where he, how you can see her. You know, is, is it the phone across the street? So she calls the police and mentions by chance that she has two lines, which I'm like, oh, it's one of those movies. Yeah, <laughs> he's in the house. Like, oh my god, I wonder what's going to happen. And of course. He tells her to shut all the doors, lock them up, and we'll call you back in five minutes. And, like, she sits down for, like, two minutes, and we're supposed to know that it's been two minutes or five minutes or whatever. And the phone rings again, she was like, you know, she's like, what? And how many fucking houses do you know that has a locking lock that locks the key from the right. inside? Yeah, I, I trust me, dude. I'm already, <laughs> I'm thinking the same thing. Like... She's like, she, first of all, she, she begrudgingly goes to answer the phone call. And I'm thinking like, well, weren't they supposed to call you back? Like, she's like, it's not even been five minutes yet. You know, like essentially is what they're trying to convey in the movie, but it's really doesn't make any sense. And she waits and the bad guy in the masks, uh, is like on the phone again. And he's like stealing her keys as he's talking to her so that the doors that she can't get out because there's no lock, like you said, on the inside that you can just turn. You have to have the keys. And, uh, it's the police, she thinks, you know, and it's, oh no, it's, it's a, she, we're supposed to call back in five minutes, not two minutes. It's way too soon. It's the bad guy calling from the other line right behind her. <gasps> the call's coming from within the house. <laughs> within the house. <laughs> what was that? Fucking Black Christmas or some shit? Was it? I think it was Black Christmas. <laughs> At least they did something like, yeah, they did it in Black Christmas. Okay. 
But he goes on and on about how she locked him in with her uh and and be- and she's like beating on the door like an idiot and i don't understand some people have doors that lock it from the inside but not that's not normal yeah, well i'm sorry if there's a killer in my house i'm just jumping through the window right there's like fucking 10 panes of glass that you could just smash through yeah like I, there's a guy in a fucking with a knife and he's like like right there fuck that I guess shit i fucked up freddy glove on like yeah check that. a fucking chair through that shit or just beat on it limply like an idiot <laughs> Like, whatever works for you, I guess. It's uh, it's daytime. There's obviously people outside. Well, she wasn't even beating on it hard. It was like, oh, I don't want to break their window. (laughs) You know, like... Anyway, so he says, come "Come get the keys, Melody, so I can rape you, essentially. And the phone rings. It's the police, but he's already on the phone somehow. Like, within seconds in front of her. And it makes no sense. And he's like, oh, she's fine. She was losing her mind. I think she just heard a noise. I'm home now. I'm Mr. Beck. And everything's fine. She's like, no! I'm like, just scream in the phone, bitch. Like, he's, they're going to fucking wonder why the hell someone's screaming like that right. and come anyway. But it's like, it was almost like the writer was like thinking to himself, like, Fergasso and his wife were like, this is good. You know, like, this is good. But they didn't really convey it through the fucking movie. No. So, but she escapes into another room for a gun and she shoots the door that he's trying to get in. And she's like screaming, die, you bastard. And she, by the way, only puts one bullet to the gun. Yeah, well, she was only able to get one off the ground because she spilled them all out over the floor, remember? Yeah, but they were all, like, they weren't, like, scattered. She they was all scared, just- man. Don't take one. Oh, I got the answer. One bullet. That's all she was thinking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but she also gave him full warning that she was going to die- shoot him. Die, you bastard! <laughs> and then, like, I guess she thought he was dead. I would have never assumed that. And he's like, oh, we were just pretending. Like, I was just pretending it's all a game. Like, this shit is fucking ridiculous, first of all. Because everything happens in weird timing. It doesn't make any sense. And him in a silly mask, talking silly, explaining how genius he is, or the actual writers of this movie felt like they were. (laughs) You know, like, it's kind of like very self- um, even F- F- Claudio Fergasso said it was like very mental masturbation for him. <laughs> That's what he called it. And I love that about him. Like he just said it like that. But he takes off his mask to reveal who he is, but it doesn't show, you know, the camera doesn't show you so that, you know, give you that sort of mystery, you know, who done it movie shit out in the open. She screams and it cuts to a cop and a doctor who are talking about how she's the only person who have seen the killer's face. And I'm thinking, okay, that's weird. She survived. Like, yeah. Like, what? How did she survive? I thought she he was going to kill her. And then the other guy says, oh, she's too traumatized to remember what he looked like or even her own name. I'm like, how convenient. <laughs> like, of course. You know, it's like, come on. Come the fuck on, dude. Who the fuck wrote this shit? You know, like... <laughs> I'm fairly certain that's not how shit works. Like, you can get traumatized and, like, shit can happen to you. But I don't think it's like that, you know. They were like, his violent behavior was just so dark and fucking disturbing that she just lost her mind. You know, and I'm like, okay, maybe maybe that's how it works. I'm not a doctor. I don't fucking know. But she's even forgot her own daughter. You know, she doesn't know anything. Just sounds weird to me. I would have think that he would have needed to crack her on the head or something. Yeah. Yeah, for, for that kind of amnesia to happen. Um, but their whole thing was, oh, she was just brutally raped for hours. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, that's what he said. And then when you watch the recap of that at the end, it's like, 
short. Yeah. And they don't even show anything at all, which is kind of good. You know, they didn't show it. Yeah. But apparently the guy from earlier who I mentioned, the, his name is Sherman, who has the daughter and he picked up Clarissa with, with the present. He saved her in the act of that of what was going on. Only he got cut on the face and, of course, didn't see the killer's face. Of course. Of course. <laughs> How would this be a movie without that little tidbit? But his wife and him t- get temporary custody of the girl, right? Clarissa, the, yeah. the daughter of Melanie, because she's lost her mind. Um, but the next scene is the woman who can't remember her name out of the out of the hospital, Melanie, driving her car. And this part is what I fucking... This is when I realized, yes, okay. This is a shitty movie. Now I get it. Now I'm ready to see whatever bullshit you throw at me. Uh, so, yeah, who lets somebody drive a... You don't even know who you are. Well, it doesn't make any goddamn time sense anyway, because she's like losing her mind. They have temporary custody. This whole movie does a terrible t- job of explaining how time has progressed like they don't add it in the dialogue you don't know if it's the next day or a week later so it's really confusing and the next thing you see is her in a bed not remembering her name not even recognizing her daughter sitting in a bed and the next thing you know she's driving around without any of the scars that she had on her face that day yeah so it's like apparently she got up and just left and is driving the time yeah (laughs) but then this drunk guy is driving down the street in his jeep next to her hitting on her and like hey baby you want a drink (laughs) and he's like spilling his drink in his jeep and shit it's like really laughable and uh she like flips him off and hangs her right real quick and and loses him and then he slams on his brakes and follows her and sees her car down the road a little ways and then goes and follows her into the hotel somehow and then goes into the bathroom and he's like going into the the ladies room and into the stalls looking for her and she's like points a gun at him he's like whoa whoa what's going on here she was like i, I came in here and by accident he said and I was like, anybody can make an accident, you know? <laughs> Everybody makes mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, take off your pants, your socks, and your shoes off. He's like, in the worst acting I've ever seen, by the way, saying, okay, okay. <laughs> and he shimmies down those pants and everything. And he's like, what now? And he's like, oh, my shirt too? You want that? She's like, flush him in the toilet. And he does it. And then she's like, well... Oh, she said, he said, well, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm just looking for a friend. <laughs> She's like, do you always look for a friend in the bathroom, in the ladies' bathroom? And uh, you're always looking to make friends in the ladies' bathroom? And that's when she tells him to take off all the stuff. But And then he's like, what about me now? What about my clothes, though? She's like, just reach in and fish him out of the toilet. It's not like he shouldn't be anything new for an asshole like yourself. And then just books it out of the room, which I thought was funny how she runs off. It's kind of yeah. silly because you're full of shit, you know, like <laughs> asshole because you're full of shit and just runs out of the room. And uh, he like looks at the toilet and then walks out in this little blue Jimmy, like little his banana l- hammock. little banana hammock. And he's like the attendant at the front desk is like, hey, bud, where's your clothes? <laughs> And he's like, I got molested in the little boy's room. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. How the fuck do you not find that funny, Patrick? Like that alone has made that movie worth it for me. Just that part alone. (laughs) 
and you know, you may be turned off by some of the, the sexual nature in this movie, but it all works out in the end, right? Like it was all a fake. It was all a ruse. It was all a ruse. They never actually showed anybody actually doing any torture or sex on anybody. No intercourse, even fake sex scenes really at all. Just, no. Just a quick honk on a ding dong in a, in a, in the movie. <laughs> and like, that's about it. Some wax on some boobs and some really poor acting, you know. But man, that part, seriously, that's what sold me, man. That's when I was like, okay, <laughs> now we know what we're fucking dealing with. So like, you'd think that that would have been it and that character would never be seen again, you know, right? So it's like really confusing, but it makes all sense by the end of the movie, guys. So if you've seen it, you know, but he goes to his Jeep for his clothes and then like puts him on and then he like goes set out to find her, you know? And meanwhile, she's like setting up a picnic uh, on a beach with assorted prescription drugs and alcohol. It's about kind of picnic. <laughs> yeah, bad combo, if you ask me. <laughs> Clearly trying to commit suicide. And he, he finds her and sees that she's trying to take these pills, that she's taking a whole bunch, and uh, kicks all the bottles away. He's like, what do you think you're doing? She's like, I'm committing suicide. He's like, I'm taking you out to the ocean to make you spit all that shit up you've taken. You know, something like that. Yeah, like seawater's going to make her throw Yeah, it here. didn't make any sense. No. I'm like, wait, that's oddly specific. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like, this is what you do. <laughs> and, like, he carries her out to the ocean and keeps trying to drown her to make her vomit? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, you can tell that they're, I mean, by the end of this movie, you realize that they're trying to ride that line to make you wonder, like, why he's doing this, you know? Which, yeah. which you know, it didn't need just to be doing that kind of shit, but it just adds to the weirdness of this movie. But I was like, what the actual fuck? And she's struggling not to drown, and it looks, like, kind of real. Like, he's, like, really pushing her head under the water, and, like, she's, like, all fucked up and forcibly dunking her, and, like, I was like, how is that going to help anybody that's half con unconscious about to die, <laughs> like, to throw up? I just don't get this. And then he drags her on the beach till she fake vomits, because there was no vomit. No. And he's all rubbing her back like some grandma, like, it's okay, sweetie. <laughs> you know, you're going you're gonna to be all right. And he's, like, holding her awkwardly behind her, like the Heimlich maneuver or something, you know? Uh, is, I'm like, this movie is off the fucking rails. Like, what the fuck is happening right now? Uh, and I, I was thinking about her. I was like, that had to be a tough scene. In fact, that scene was done in extremely cold weather. It was the height of winter. Ooh. So when they were in that water, it was freezing. Yeah. So Fergasso said it was, like, negative 10 out, but I don't think... He's probably talking about Celsius, and I looked it up to see it's negative fourteen or it's uh yeah it's fourteen degrees, and I don't think Virginia gets that cold. Mm. I mean maybe there was that year I don't know, but I do believe that it was really cold in Virginia. So Fergasso said you got to take one take because I don't think you're going to survive more than once, Tara. And Tara was like, "Fuck that shit! I need to do a second take." So she he let her do it anyway, even though he was worried that this could kill the shoot for the whole movie right and she did it and he said that all the worst thing that happened was is they got a better take and she got a fever so and when i say better take <laughs> use your imagination <laughs> i'd like to see what that original take yeah like. right <laughs> it's uh slightly worse than the other one which both bad uh, anyway elsewhere melanie the main actress x is at another bar not showing his face again for some reason Talking to a drunk woman at a bar, trying to pick her up. Not physically, you know, like pick her up. You know what I mean? Like, Jesus. 
she agrees that she will hook up with him. And like, you know, she's like, well, you believe that I should just trust any stranger that comes in here? Well, maybe I just may take a ride with a dangerous side. Yeah, she was talking about her mom. It was just weird. It yeah. was just like she was it was basically, you know, some girl that likes to like the stereotypical girl um, where they like fast guys, fast cars and like to get wild. <laughs> so she she follows him, I guess, somewhere. They kind of cut it right there. But now we're back to Melanie in bed, and she's like waking up feeling really terrible, you know. And we're not sure where yet where she is, but she's just waking up in the bed. At first, I thought it was the hospital or something, and then they cut again. <laughs> and I'm like, "What the fuck is happening?" Like, <laughs> come to find out, they were just trying to make you think it was him the whole time, like yeah. cinematically somehow. Because they cut back to the ex again, and that girl he picked up at the bar. Immediately, we see the mask and the claw on the chair in his art studio or whatever the fuck he is which he he dons for the girl and and and's like talking like a creep and i'm thinking why in the fuck would anyone go to a guy who talks like a fucking idiot's house yeah why would any girl i don't care smart or dumb that is just instinctually stupid you know what i mean like <laughs> anyway they end up reciting little red riding hood together in some weird sexual mating ritual i guess yeah. That was weird. That and he's, was as he weird. paws at her, as her ass and rubbing on her body and shit. And she's like, oh, what big paws you have, Grandma. What a big ugly mug you have, Grandma. And he's like, fuck you, bitch. You know, <laughs> fuck you, bitch. <laughs> he gets all huffy. And then uh, and then she realizes that he's mad about it. And she's like, oh, Grandma, what a big long schlong you have. And it's like, <laughs> on his dick. I was like, oh, God. Uh, and she's like i'm done playing this game so he grabs her by the neck and then starts dunking her face in wax yeah i didn't get that it looked like water it did but maybe it was and they just put wax on her face and then dunked her face in water because they figured it wouldn't matter because it didn't look like it was adding any fucking wax to it right yeah yeah, but it was still kind of cool i guess you know i'm like why is he dipping her in wax anyway and why does he have this melting pot of fucking wax that has been left on at the house? That's a fire hazard. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> this guy's running around raping and killing people. I'm sure he's not worried about fire hazards. Well, he certainly doesn't coats. want his fucking murder den fucking deck up in flames. <laughs> That's just careless. <laughs> but I don't know. It, it looks like water. And uh, then, of course, in true night killer fashion, he punches his claws through a midsection all the way through. Fatality. <laughs> And then he lays her on a table and apparently has her dead body covered in wax, which is even more weird, with another one of his claws on her hand and his mask on her mask. So they got two masks, like both of them have masks on, the dead body and him, and both of them have claws. And he's like, now kiss me, bitch. You know, like, and he's like, ah, you're dead now. Now we'll make love and we should kiss. And they're like (laughs) fake kissing with the mask. And I'm like, okay, dude. This is bad. <laughs> so bad. I, it was really bad, but it was stupid. I don't know. So like, stupid. But the next scene is back to Melanie being, you know, freaking out, thinks she's locked in a room, uh, wondering why she's in there banging on the door to get out when Mr. You know, little boy's room pops in and he's like, the door wasn't locked anyway. You know, this is how he talks when I say this, guys. The door wasn't locked, though. Yeah, he's not like amping it up. He's like, I got your sweater and your clothes dry clean. He's like, I got fried chicken and French fries. (laughs) 
KFC to boot, by the way. <laughs> and he lays on the bed and he's like eating a fry and he's like, oh yeah, I forgot. He pours her purse out and you find he's like got a bet. He's like, I got Valium. A serene? He didn't even say syringe. Yeah, serene. A serene? <laughs> he means syringe, but and then he's like, Bobituits! A gun? <laughs> I swear the way he talks is just so fucking weird. And he's like, everything you need to kill yourself, but you were too afraid to ask for. And then she gets up in his face, she's like, Just what the hell do you want from me? I already told you. I wanna be friends. <laughs> And this whole scene is fucking mind-blowing, dude. Like, this is, like, some next-level what-the-fuck shit. Especially when you find out at the end, like, ugh. Yeah, well, we don't want to spoil it just yet. Yeah, yeah, I'm not getting there yet. But we'll just- get there. We've kind of alluded to it already anyway. But she's like, he's like, but that would have been a hateful waste. And he paws at her skin and, like, tries to sexually touch her. And she said, listen up, Mr. Restroom Hustler. And that's where we got the <laughs> shot from. And that's the end of the show. Thanks, everybody. Later. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she calls, listen up, Mr. Restroom Hustler. You don't seem to get it. I'm already dead. Doesn't look that way from here. Smiling like an idiot, you know? And she points at the she points the gun at her head, and he sits up and says, it's a free country. If your one wants to kill himself, I guess you can do it. Well, while you shoot yourself, I'm going to eat my chicken. And <laughs> I'm like, what? Uh, and then he takes a bite of it, and, and and she said, he's like, nothing does it to me better than fried chicken. <laughs> and <laughs> oh, God, dude, this movie. Like, this part, like, tripped my... This, this is all one cut, guys. Like, all one thing. I will say that scene did really just want me... Wow, I really wanted to go get fried chicken. After <laughs> I know, right? It kind of makes you hungry, right? Uh and he's like, it takes balls to kill yourself. Dude, that should have been a KFC commercial. Like, right. it was ridiculous that they even showed the KFC logo and shit. It's like, how did they get away with that? I don't, they probably didn't. Yeah. He's like, it takes balls to kill yourself, and there's only one around here with those in the right places, yours truly. <laughs> <laughs> she lowers the gun like, God damn it. This guy's good. You know? <laughs> And says, I was doing just fine by the sea. He's like, oh, you would have asked for help, though. I would not. (laughs) He's like, you're a lucky lady. You got someone here to help you. Here, I'll do it for you. And he cocks the hammer back of the gun. And he's like, come on, it's easy as eating a drumstick. And he puts it in her fucking mouth. And she's like, don't kill me. (laughs) I don't want to die this way. (laughs) And he's like... Say bye-bye, sweetheart. And the gun goes click. And she screams. He's like, she's like, what are you playing at anyway? And he's like, I'm going to kill you, all right. But it's when I say, when you least expect it. In the meantime, I'm your master. Like, what? Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? See, but why does this affect you? Why does this upset you when you find out by the end of the movie it was all an act? Why are you giving that away? It's already done. That's what I don't know. I got to ask you now. I'll forget otherwise. I, I I don't know. I just I didn't like the way that she, I, I just, it was just the vibe of it. Dude, this movie is so ridiculous. You can't take it seriously. If you get triggered by it, then you think this is real. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I mean, yes, it's not something that's like should be paraded around is like, oh, check out my new shirt, yeah. you know, but um, 
I don't know. He talks about like honoring her pact and like, he's like, this will hurt a lot more than a quick bullet with this knife that he'll kill her with slowly. And, uh, and she, and he's like, I'm leaving to blow off some steam. And then he shuts the door. He's like, I'm locking the door. And she's like, no. And like slides down the drawer all dramatically for 15 seconds. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> like, someone actually wrote this shit. You know how I mentioned Lethal Weapon earlier? Yeah. For whatever reason, that scene where, you know, like Mel Gibson's character puts the gun in his mouth and shit. Oh, is that what you were thinking? It kind of reminded me of that <laughs> in some weird way. Like this was the 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 dilemma he was having in his mind with reality. <laughs> like this movie was that scene was playing in his mind when he was about to pull the trigger. <laughs> Someone needs to make an edit of that shit, okay? <laughs> YouTube poop. Right. So now we're back in an aquarium for some odd fucking reason and another female doctor is working and guess who shows up? It's Scuffed Freddy Krueger, and he's got his mask and glove and a bad voice, and he punches her through the back out in front. Yeah, what was he doing at a water treatment plant? Fatality. Fatality. You missed your opportunity, buddy. (laughs) I'm sorry. I was just wondering why he was even there. I think it was because Bruno Mattei cut in all those parts where he kills people. All of the movie didn't even have those scenes. Okay. Originally, and Bruno, they made him put it in. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Show. The next scene is the restroom hustler saying he didn't work off his steam enough. So he ties Melanie up to the bed with her top open, which is another, you know, booby shot, you know, for no reason. Which a bit later, she yells at him to untie her and he says, pretty please, say it pretty please, smacking her a bunch and kissing her on the chin. And she eventually gives in, saying, kiss me. Like, yikes. <laughs> yeah, like, what kind of message are we sitting out there Ew. right now? But, I mean, it is an older film, so even if it wasn't, like, all a ruse in the end, we'll explain it later. But uh, now they show go back to the aquarium, you know, where... Uh, I don't know if it was an aquarium or the police station. I can't remember. But the doctor and the detective being asked about Melanie, is she a protective care? Does she have a guard? And they mentioned that she tried to commit suicide with barbiturates, and I'm like, wait, how do they know that she tried to kill herself with barbiturates when the restroom hustler picked her up? Right. Like, how did they know? Poorly written movie. (laughs) But it makes sense when you think about if he was talking to them the whole time about what happened. But was he? Because they also say he was an unwilling participant. No, she was unwilling. He wasn't. Huh. So maybe it was the doctor kind of coercing him. To yeah, go. so this is the master plan that everybody... Yeah, we put people's lives in jeopardy. Like, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I'm like, I'm really confused because I'm like, how did they know she tried to kill herself? Like, since, you know, he kidnapped her, is the bathroom butthole dude with her? Is she at the hospital? What's what? The movie's a terrible job of telling you, again, what's going on. These are supposedly breadcrumbs that make no sense. Yeah. Um, But then the doctor spills a bit of knowledge elaborating on her fractured mind, saying she developed schizophrenia because of the trauma, and a part of her is punishing herself for letting go during the violent rape, because his sadistic violence was so long and so dark. When she gave in, a piece of her hates herself for that moment, which is kind of like a real thing. Um He's like, I'm like, is this all happening in her head or something? Like, I'm so confused. Like, <laughs> I'm missing something here, and I'm not sure why. And I'm intently watching this shit, you know? Like, I gave it my full 120. Um, but I'm no doctor, so I don't know anything about, you know, 
what they say in this movie about, you know, rape and all this other shit. So I don't know the psychology necessarily behind it. Um, but it seems kind of a little off putting. Uh, but anyways, the cop is none too happy about the doctor sharing and stoking the fires for the killer on uh, the news. So he tells him to tell the press to call a number, like to go tell the news to call, uh, to put up on the news that the, they want the killer to call this number by such time about Melanie so they could talk to him. And then, you know, the hotel clerk where restroom dude and fucking Melanie are. The hotel clerk calls the police about Melanie since it's all over the news. And the detective, of course, shows up in a police car and he's like, drive off. Just, you know, you know, just go. I'm like, why would you tell your only backup to leave? Right. Like, I'm thinking, like, what the fuck are you thinking? But anyway, didn't the, he didn't the cop like pull the gun on the clerk too? didn't he pull or no he didn't pull it on the uh, on the clerk the clerk was like isn't there a reward for this he's like you want a reward i'll kick your ass across the (laughs) yeah your snaky ass and he's like okay all right sorry (laughs) anyway so the detective of course shows up and gets hit in the back of the head by the other guy the restroom hustler and him and melanie go running off to make that phone call that they heard on the radio and on the news and stuff to call and back at Melanie's friend's house where they're taking care of Melanie's daughter, Clarissa, the wife is obsessed with that, with her, Melanie's daughter, calling it her own. Yeah, I guess she couldn't have kids or something. Yeah, it's really confusing, I guess, but it's yeah, a little awkward. She was yeah. like, I kind of hope that she gets her neck slit so we can have her to ourselves. <laughs> and then he's like, well, I knew what he looked like. I just wanted to take care of him because the police are shit and I can take care of it better than the police. Which, sure enough, he goes out and finds her running down the street because when the bathroom hustler calls the number, the she sees like her picture on a newspaper and then just starts chart running. And he's like, no, she's become super submissive to the the restroom hustler, by the way. You know, (laughs) it's just a little weird. There's like a couple of segments where she's like kind of like brainwashed and I get a very culty vibe with it. Mm. Um, but she runs off and Sherman, the 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 guy who's taking care of her daughter with his wife, he's like out looking for the killer because he's going to kill him himself. And he runs into her and puts her in the car. And then they go back to her house and he's like telling her to lock herself in the house. Kind of familiar like it was in the beginning. Yeah. Where she had to lock herself in. And so all these memories start coming back till he, he was like i'll i'm gonna go get your daughter and we're gonna bring her back here and we're gonna take care of all of it when he leaves the phone rings and guess who it is it's the voice saying do you recognize me i'm back and she'd already locked the doors and he's inside again so it's like uh like reliving that memory that moment it's sherman he takes off the mask and it shows him it's him which I fucking knew the whole time. I knew from the very beginning. I knew from the very beginning when that shit happened. I was like, it's got to be that guy. Oh, yeah. But that's not the clever twist there. They flash back to that fateful day and how he got the scar. And he thought he was so depraved and so clever as the killer that he could make her kill herself by making her like cutting her arm loose and having her stab herself because she became so submissive at that point. But she actually in an act of, you know, survival slashed his face and then she was so traumatized, she forgot everything. And of course, that's part of his master plan. And then pretended like he was the hero because everybody had already shown up, all the neighbors and stuff and the police and stuff. And he was like, he escaped. It's like they're reliving that moment. And, and if that was the case, you'd be, your cops would be watching your ass. Right. They wouldn't be yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, you're good. You're good. 
but like he, so he's like, he's like, yeah, that fateful night, and you scarred me. I made a real bad mistake, you know. And she's like, God, why did it take you so long to get to me? Like, and starts hitting on him as he's pointing a gun at her head. And then he's like, oh, Melanie. Oh, Melanie. And she stabs him right in the fucking dick, dude. Like, right in the crotch. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, as he's about to shoot her, she's like, oh, no. You see restroom hustler popping out through the window that you could eat. Axel Foley. There. Yeah. <laughs> he like, <laughs> like, he fucking just jumps through the window and he's like, pop, 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 shooting Sherman in the chest. He unloaded that fucking revolver into the killer's chest. And then, and this is when we find out that the hustler, you realize that he's not even a bad guy. And then you're like, oh, he's her husband that we have been looking for this whole fucking time named Axel. And the detective and the doctor devise this elaborate plan to make them both guinea pigs to catch the killer and heal her at the same time. Because apparently the only way to heal her was to make her relive a memory of that dreadful day to snap her back into reality. Remember who she is, which is kind of fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> So many things could have gone wrong. You're like, Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. I mean, it's it's illogical and way too elaborate for anybody to make. That would have been way too risky. Yeah. And even one of the reporters says, isn't that kind of risky? And he says, well, I have to say we had a few uh, differences of opinion. And I'm like, ha! <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I bet you did. Huh? Like, that's fucking stupid. I was like, get the fuck out of town. Are you fucking kidding me? And 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 he further says, the important thing is that the theory worked. <laughs> so at the very end, this is where Axel, which is her husband, right. Melanie and their daughter are singing like, here's the church and here's the steeple. See the church and all of the people. Like stupid shit, happy shit. And the daughter laughs and everyone's happy. And then she leaves and she goes to grab like a package from Sherman that right. is under the tree. And uh he's like, Melanie, could you ever forgive me? <laughs> and I'm like, No. <laughs> like, what the fuck? She's like, You did it all out of love. I'm like and fried Nobody chicken. fucking would do this shit. Like well, that's what they should name this movie, Love and Fried Chicken. I guess, yeah. <laughs> and fries and fries. She's like, never leave me. I'm like, come on. And then he says, I worry about Clarissa and what effect it will have on her as she's opening the box that Sherman gave her. And of course, it's the mask and gloves that she puts on. And what does she say? Oh, Melanie. And laughs into the mirror or something. Right. With the she fake. says something about like, I'll kill you this time, Melanie. Yeah, she's going to kill you. <laughs> it's it's like, because she saw this murder in mayhem. And like, how does she even know, though? She, I don't know, dude. It's it's so fucking convoluted and weird. Ugh. But that's why I say it's complex, right? Like the the tw twist is that he's not the bad guy, and it is so obscenely ridiculous that you would ever think that a husband would put his wife through that to bring her out of amnesia. Like that is some like serious like he got jolly modern off. therapy that you know like yeah fucking Gilligan Island shit like hit yourself in the head with a coconut again or something you know you'll get your memory back <laughs> like, I don't fucking know it's get, fucking stupid yeah Clark she got kicked in the head by a mule again <laughs> brought her right back eyes are straight as an arrow <laughs> funny thing is she got kicked by a mule then fell off a building and now she's <laughs> doing gay okay 
<laughs> you know what I'm talking about? This is bad. Like Christmas Vacation. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, my God. But this is why I like this movie, because it's just so different. I don't know. I hope you guys enjoyed some of our little takedown of that, because it's just like, I don't know. Like, I'll never talk about this movie again other than to re- recommend it to somebody or for you to like, like hatred punch a wall <laughs> or something. I don't know. Maybe cut Damn yourself. Movie. I don't know what you're going to. Yeah, I'm going to cut myself in the shower and cry. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, we do have another movie that Patrick talked about. You want to jump in? Yeah, so let's go ahead, and we're going to go on to our next movie. Yeah, we're not going to break down this movie, guys. We're just going to pick out a few scenes that we thought were funny. Yeah, I mean, there's really enjoyed. not much you could break down with this movie. Yeah, we'll give you the uh, spoiler-free review first, and then we'll jump into some of the spoilers and trivia and shit after. So so what we'll be talking about next is 1982's Night Beast. Night Beast. Uh, this movie was uh, directed and written by Don Doler. Mm-hmm. And he's done some other films, uh, mostly produced. So he hasn't directed a lot, but he has produced a lot of movies, or maybe not a lot of movies, but some. Yeah. Uh, Alien Factor. That was a big one, actually. But Yeah. Actually, there's uh, two versions of Alien Factor, and there's one from 1978, and mm. then there's one from 2001. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about his... Uh... Yeah, but yeah, Alien Factor is the prequel to Night Beast. Well, they made an Alien Factor 2 called The Alien Rampage by Don Duller. Um, it's like about the same similar thing, I guess. But onwards, let's talk about who we got. The, we got some star power. Okay. Let's talk about the stars in this film. Don Leeford as Drago. Am I saying that right? Yeah, Drago? you said it right. Yeah, Drago. He's also known for uh, Fiend, the Which, Galaxy Invader. Right. And we also have Tom Griffiths as Sheriff Cinder, also known for The Alien Factor. Right. Which is the prequel, who actually plays the same character, the mm-hmm. Sheriff Cinder. And that's all he's really done. Yeah, no, movies. there's not. A lot of these people didn't do a lot, so. And then we have George Stover as Stephen Price, mm-hmm. also known for The Maker of Monsters, hmm. Attack of the 60-Foot Centerfold. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Wrestle Massacre. Nice. Uh, there was one other guy in here, he... Hasn't done much after this film, but I thought it was funny that he went on to play the same character over and over again, which is his name is uh, Richard Dissel. Didn't do many roles of this, but he did do an ongoing character as uh, Count Gore Duvall and okay. a couple of creature feature kind of shows. Okay. But he was like one of those hosts of horror. Right. Yeah. Your ghost hosts with the most. Yeah, really. <laughs> but wasn't he like Mayor Bert or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Bertie. Don't call me that. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Don't call me Bernie. <laughs> What'd you think about this movie? Uh, Well, I mean, this was another blind buy for me. This was the first time I saw the movie. I had no idea what I was getting into when I saw it. You know, it's just one of those things. Sometimes you just take a dive. Right. You know, it kind of reminds me of when I was a kid and we were doing the CDs or, or tapes. You didn't know. We didn't like have where any... you just saw the, the cover of the right. movie and you're like, that looks cool. <laughs> right. And it kind of also kind of like rekindles some of that VHS like rental store thing. Yeah. Me, you know, where you just took a risk. So I kind of like to do that sometimes. But I vaguely recall this movie on the shelves when I was a kid. And or I I know I ordered a few movies from Troma years ago and they messed up my order and I complained about it because I was like, hey, this none of this is right. Like, what the fuck? And they gave me like 38 by 11 of those like posters in a like big ass folder and they sent it out to me as a as a thanks. Um, And I remember getting that one in there and going like, this is a fucking weird looking movie. Like, what the fuck is this? Right. But 
how can you forget that creature? You know, it's like so derpy. Yeah, it's like crazy fucking lab animal monkey or something. Right. <laughs> I can't say that I love this film, though, but I definitely like it a lot more than a low, a lot of low-budget films that I've seen because it's got heart. It's got a derpy fucking space monster beast from Derptopia 7. Right. I, I mean, that's pretty cool in itself just because they kind of make it work, even though it looks stupid. Yeah, what was it, like 14,000 was the budget? No, it's like 10. Was yeah, it 10? 10, 10 or 14, yeah. It's just... Yeah, they, I mean, they did all right with the shoestring It's budget. a Z-grade film, guys. So, yeah. I mean, the movie isn't perfect, but you have to give some credit where credit's due. And, and for a film that seems like it's been shot for practically nothing, it did a good job. Plus, you know, while this movie isn't great, it definitely doesn't waste a single fucking moment developing any kind of story. It just jumps right into the fucking action. So for those of you who are like, yeah, fuck all this dumb shit. Like, let's just get into it. I like that about it. I actually kind of liked the, you know the pacing of that right literally the the story is, is pretty much a spaceship crash lands on earth in a small town and just starts massacring people right like <laughs> alien crash bam time for some alien killing fun and ma'am and the, it, like i said the mask is silly but somehow they really do make it work right but you know there there is some actual gore in this guys for me that i i actually enjoyed some scenes are better than others for sure but oh, it does yeah. have its gore and it and it ain't all that bad it's schlocky as fuck but definitely nowhere near as bad as you'd think and they did it i think they did a really good job in my opinion for the budget but it's it's a real mixed bag with like three big gore scenes and it's kind of varied. Yeah, they're kind of similar in some ways. So not as similar as Night Killer. Yeah, but like a but. lot of punching in the chest. Actually, I think the chest punching shit in this movie in Night Beast was better than the <laughs> than the fucking Night Killer for fucking gore. Oh yeah, you know. So, but like I mentioned, the story isn't all that much. It's pretty typical stuff here, but really it's just a space bee shooting people with lasers and gutting people one by one, you know, like while other people get taken down ultra quickly, like really ultra quickly, like the movie just pretty much just starts killing everyone, like with laser guns and they turn into like burning fucking it looks ash like marks. they're being like beamed up to like the Enterprise. Or right. But they didn't, it didn't work and their fucking shadows are burned into the ground. <laughs> That's what it looks like, like a nuclear blast went off and their shadows are burned into the ground like they do in the uh, in the fucking nuclear explosions and stuff. Like, right. Yeah. But it was weird because they would show them laying on the ground, but they were standing up. They weren't laying down. Right. <laughs> so like, why is the fucking- well, that's why I'm saying it's probably a shadow. Yeah. That's probably where they got the inspiration is from nuclear blast because yeah. they're like, it's a nuclear gun. Think of it that way, like a nuclear blast. <laughs> what was a nuclear blast do? It burned shadows in the ground. Bill, you've got it. <laughs> You know, Bye, George, you got it. <laughs> it's definitely, I think, in the so bad it's good kind of category, but not the 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 top of that portion. You know, it's kind of like average. It's like this, like the last drink of my freaking 40 over here. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I mean, I think if it's kind of an achievement, though, for an independent filmmaker with a big idea, I mean, to be able to pull this kind of thing off. You know, it's, it's, I definitely enjoyed the film more, like I said, than I thought I was going to. So it reminded me of a movie called The Suckling mixed with like uh, The Beast Within, which has this beast roaming around. This guy turns into a beast, which is kind of silly. But I, I don't know. I think I, I think this is a film for people who get this kind of filmmaking, who, who just want to get out there and make something. These are the kind of movies that should inspire you people, you know, to do stuff, in my opinion. Probably going to score low for most people. Um, probably like a three or lower. I think it's got a, like a 3.8 on fucking IMDb. I personally think it's like a five. 
overall for movies. Like I could tolerate it. I'll probably watch it again at some point, but I'm not like eagerly awaiting to, (laughs) you know, like. It's like you burn through everything else. You're like, oh, I'm going to throw it in. But if I was grading this on a Z-grade film, like for other Z-grade films of its kind, I, you know, it's actually like a six or maybe even a seven. So it's it's above average in the Z-grade film, but pretty average for, you know, an 80s Z-grade film of its kind, I guess. I don't know. So I don't know. A lot of people are like, why do you always give two scores? I'm like, well, because some people base everything around every movie they've ever seen. And some people base it off of like just shitty fucking movies. But I think this is something you would throw on with your friends, order some pizza, have a laugh, you know, make fun of it, have a good time. It's, you know, it's good Z grade. But if you don't have the stomach for bad films, you probably just want to skip it. You know, like you can pick it up at Vinegar Syndrome. Um, They have a pretty big catalog of like... You know, ranging mostly stuff that have been out of print, things like that. They tend to dive into some of the, like, harder-to-find stuff. But it's also on, I think, Amazon Prime and YouTube and all of these other places. So if you want to check it out, I think even Tubi, if you like that, too. So um, I would prefer, you know, most people go to, like, Prime or Tubi, whatever. Gives them money back for their fucking movie. So Yeah, that's that's where I watched it. Yeah, but you can pick it up on Blu-ray. That's what I did. If you're a fan of it, uh, I wouldn't take a risk on it until you see it first. <laughs> uh, otherwise, because you might, it might not be your cup of tea, guys. So it's a very schlocky mess. But uh, did you have any trivia on it, though, Patrick, for the spoiler section? Uh, I, you know, I got two little bits here. I okay. mean, it was actually the first screen credit of J.J. Abrams. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. And I guess he would, he was the, uh, he did the sound effects for this movie. Yes. Well, actually, I can kind of fill you in a little bit more if you want to know. Yeah, fill I got, it in. I got the fill Blu-ray, so I <laughs> fill you up. Jesus Christ, where are we going with this shit? I guess in the in the mid-60s, Dollar came up with the idea for a magazine for filmmakers, and it would feature, you know, illustrated step-by-step articles for amateur special effects filmmakers that was inspired by underground, you know, comics friends, and Dollar set it off to publish the magazine on his own called Cinemagic. And it featured articles by like professionals and uh, went on for like 11 issues before being purchased by Starlog, which is also we had like we had on Carrie O'Quinn and Dallas Sonier, who is now the new owner of Fangoria and Starlog. Uh, Carrie O'Quinn was the one that founded those. Oh, really? So, yeah. Nice. Which, if you guys are super interested in how Fangoria and Starlog and where it's headed, we did a, a really fun interview with both of those people, Gary O'Quinn and Dallas Sonier, that you can listen to. It's episode 92. So, uh, heads up, you should check that out. It's, uh, I'm really proud of that episode. It was a, it was a fun one. But JJ Abrams was a big fan of this, you know, Cinemagic. And like you mentioned, he also did, uh, not just the sounds, but the music in this film. Oh, really? Yeah. There was some pretty decent music. Yeah, well, like, well, some of it was, like, stock stuff because they had access to all of these, like, big things because they were part of this, like, the producers producers owned these other companies that have music and shit. So he was telling about that. But, yeah, he was a huge fan of Cinemagic, and he said he would do it for free. And he, keep in mind, was, like, 15 years old when he wrote Don Dohler. Wow. Yeah. Which J.J. did a lot of the chase music, the love scene music. And Don told a really funny story. He was laughing because he said it was like kind of funny because he was like 15 at the time. It was like, so him and his 
son contributed to that love scene with sound. He said, if I did that shit today, they'd probably lock me up. (laughs) (laughs) But of course, you know, Don Dohler passed away the age of 60 in 2006. So, but at the time, JJ said he, he had to use like a watch in order to time up everything. So he would watch the, the, the film on this player that was like very unique, but his family just happened to have one. And he would watch his watch and count the seconds hmm. so that he could time up the music just right. Wow. JJ even bought a, a copy of this movie at his local video store too for like, I'm sure it was like $150, $200. He saved up all his money to get it. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of neat knowing that J.J. Abrams was inspired by this movie in particular. Like, and if it wasn't for this movie, he may not have. It, he even said that it, it, it inspired him to be a part of the industry even more. Wow. Because it gave him a shot at an early age. And That's cool. Yeah. Like, so you got to appreciate this movie, even if it's shit for that. Whether you hate J.J. Abrams or not. I mean, the guy, if it wasn't for this movie, we wouldn't have seen Lost. We wouldn't have seen all this other shit that he's done. But yeah, Dolar is a pretty interesting guy. He started a whole magazine, kind of like Mad Magazine, called Wild. He's also written a couple of books about how to make movies, including stop animation. But Dolar's life is, is there is a documentary, if you guys are interested, by John Kinhart titled Blood, Boobs, and Beast. So if you guys want to check that out, go a little deeper, you can check that out. Hmm. A funny thing about this story is, is that originally this movie was supposed to be directed by Dave Getty. But it ended up being Don. So how the story goes is before this movie came out, obviously, Don was just writing, going to write and produce this movie. And Dave asked Don to let him direct the next movie. So Dave Getty was like, hey, can I direct uh, one of your movies? I'm sure, buddy. You know, he's like, whatever. So Don let him. But the whole movie fell apart at the hands of Dave Getty, apparently, they were talking about. And they say that he was a, a little too meticulous for a Z-grade movie. Like, he wanted to be the next auteur, you know, like, you know, like, and he upset the entire cast, apparently, and he was trying to get, like, one shot out the back of a truck that they spent literally 10 or 11 hours one day. You're like, you're not going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> like, stop. everybody kept trying to tell him, and he just didn't want to hear it. All of the cast, all of the crew, everybody was waiting on him. They didn't even get the shot. They didn't get any footage whatsoever in that 10 or 11 hours. Oh, God. Right. And pretty much everyone was just on standby. So the cast and crew went over to Don's house, Don Dollars, and said, it's uh, us or him. <laughs> and Dave actually called him before he was like, he was like, oh, fuck, I got to call Dave and tell him, you know, I'm not going to lose my whole cast and my whole crew. <sighs> so I'm going to have to make a call. And the phone rang and it was Dave, like in some, he said it was like, it was some weird spidey sense that he had, you know, like <laughs> shit went bad and said he quit. <laughs> <laughs> he's like well thanks yeah he was like thanks for doing my work for me uh but yeah like they, they scrapped the project and sat on it and then they were like okay well you know they had another film a much more intimate scaled back film than night beast was and was gonna be you know and they they wanted to try to recoup the loss that they had with the money that they had left and so they made this like really intimate film and uh i think it was fiend I think I was, or some other film. And so after that, the producers of the first film wanted to do an alien factor two. Right. And one of the partners says, why don't you use that mask from night beast that you never used? And he said, well, shit, why don't we just make night beast? Right. And like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's already written. Let's do it. Right. So they did. They're like, it's ready to go. Let's do it. And, uh, 
It's kind of like a it's kind of like an alien factor esque you know movie or whatever. Yeah. But uh, one of the one of the actors, uh, Don Leifert, that you were talking about, the Drago guy. Yeah, he said that on the set that they had so much fun, like that they would just get shit faced, <laughs> like drunk as fuck, and were like talking about lassoing things. They were like drunk at late in the middle of the night, <laughs> and they were talking about lassoing. And someone was like, "Well, shit, I got a fucking rope in the back," and someone was like, "Yeah." And they were like drunk, like not knowing. It's like four in the morning. And uh, they're like trying to lasso the antenna on the roof of somebody's house. And he said they kept missing. So it was like thump <laughs> on top of the house, like thump, thump, thump. And so the people woke up and saw them trying to lasso the fucking the antenna on the roof. <laughs> He said that he they actually caught the corner of it and like four or five of them are pulling on it to yank it down. Like they were just so into it that they finally got it. They're like, yeah, and they fucking pull on it. And like it, it broke kind of. And, and then the police showed up and the, all the other guys dropped it except for Drago. And he was like, wait, what is up, guys? And, he, and it was a police officer. He's like, guys, knock it off. He's like, look, I'll pay for we'll pay for anything. Any damages. You know, but he said that was just one of the many, many, many stories of uh, shooting that film. How did we a fly in a wall? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like witness that. It's like fun little things that you yeah. learn about that. So, but that's that's pretty much it. I just wanted it. Those are the few things that I kept. There's more. There's a whole like you know like uh, commentary on the movie that I didn't go through. So normally we would break this movie down. There are some really funny things in there that I kind of was like, what the fuck. But did you have anything out the bat that you kind of like scenes that you thought were pretty funny? Yeah, there was one particular scene with Birdie, the mayor, and his uh, wife, Mary Jane. Right. <laughs> the, the, the secretary. Right. And she's like drinking on the she's like fucking three sheets to the wind already. And she's asking for another drink. And oh, well, the town's already under attack. Right. Right. And, and they're, uh, they're supposed to be evacuated, but they just went on with their drunk. The coroner bench. goes to get him, right? Right. I, someone like that, yeah. yeah. And fucking, this is before that, where he's like, give me another drink. He's like, you don't need another drink. Give me another drink. He's like, fine, I'll get you a drink. I'll get you two drinks. I'll get you four drinks. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know why. But it's like, I would like, it was a serious, like, gut chuckle. Oh, dude. <laughs> like, it was a good one. Yeah, because Steve the, uh, calls the sheriff to get them. Steve's the coroner. Yeah, that happens later where Steve comes to get him. And she's like, yes. She's like, we're going to have a party. It's going to be fun. And she's all hitting on him and shit, <laughs> trying to kiss him and shit. And right. he's like, God damn it. There's fucking aliens killing everyone. <laughs> right. And you guys are fucking drunk. What the fuck is wrong with you people? A lot of these scenes with the women felt almost like they're about to break out to like a 70s porno. You know what I mean? You hear that? Well, especially that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, because she was like macking on him and stuff. But yeah, he calls the police. He calls the sheriff because there's like one sheriff, a deputy that died, and this guy that wants to be a fucking deputy. Uh, I forget his name right off the top of my head, but the secretary hears a ruckus in the house after Steve calls the sheriff and goes down to the basement to investigate, you know, opening a door to the beast of night, <laughs> screaming and waking the mayor who goes to find her dead on the floor, and the beast of derps rips his head off. <laughs> That was so fucking cool, dude. Yeah, it was. Like, right? Like, that was a cool gore scene. Yeah. He's all like, Ooh. like his face is like screaming. 
Finally, they cut from the real head to the fake head, and it's such a drastic <laughs> change. You're yeah, like, like uh... it does not look a hundred percent like the guy's <laughs> face, but that kind of makes it better in some yeah. fucking stupid way because the gore is cool. Like, you literally pulls his head off, and then you see his body laying on the ground next to the separated head, and it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was really funny. Then there's that other part where it, towards it's before that. They, these kids that run to a nearby house after everybody's getting like fucking fucking shot down by lasers and shit like that in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And they see a guy and his girl who are like, they're making out on the couch or something. And they hear something outside and he goes out with like a shotgun and like the fucking after the fucking alien dropped his gun because the, the sharpshooter shot it or something. Isn't that what it was? I don't remember. I don't remember. But the, the, the derp face fucking creature punches into his stomach. <laughs> And is like pulling out his insides or sort of just like rubbing them onto the wound. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I'm not you sure. Fight fire with fire, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it's it's not terrible. And you know, they run back to the car and the night beast uses the gun to melt them and the car together. I think those were his kids, by the way. Oh yeah? Don Dollars, yeah. Oh. Other than that, they, I, I would have to say the last scene was probably one of my favorites. What? Um, oh, don't get to that yet. Like, we, we got yeah. a couple more parts here. Yeah, we don't want to bust that nut. There was that. a funny part where Drago, the motorcycle bad boy, who's just causing trouble throughout the whole fucking movie, he's like the guy that doesn't die, but keeps causing problems and try to rape people Yeah, what in the, the movie. I don't know why. But he's just like chilling in the woods next to his fucking Harley. And all of a sudden, the guy on the dirt bike just pops up and this like automatic fight. <laughs> it's just like, we're going to fight. Oh, yeah. That <laughs> and, then, and the funny thing is in that scene, like they cut. They did two different takes because I think some of the footage was from some of the Dave Getty footage that they shot before they came back to this movie. So you they, could tell because the different the, grains yeah, of the it, fucking yeah, film. Yeah, like they were wearing the same clothes, but the lighting was different. Yeah. The film was different. Like they had a better budget, I guess. And like they tried to add some of those parts in the movie. Right. And I just love how instantaneous it was it was like popped up on his fucking bike and just dropped it and just instantly fighting <laughs> yeah that was pretty funny yeah they also find out you know that the way to kill it is by shocking it to death because like ruth and that fucking steve guy who are i guess in a relationship they never really make that real clear until the end right they're just like local scientists yeah i don't know i yeah i was like one of them's a doctor one of them's a scientist i think he's a coroner because he's like out looking for the bodies he's like do you want me to collect samples of this burn mark bob or steve or whatever the fuck your name is <laughs> sheriff he's like uh no it's okay like what yes <laughs> yeah, right. you take samples of alien <laughs> shit okay the ghostbusters got semen off a fucking bookshelf you that's can like get that. alien 101 man all right right anyway i love that the fact that like the share it's like the stories it's got that age-old trope the piranha and the jaws trope you know, like there's always some special mayor event going on <laughs> that nobody <laughs> listens to the fucking guy, the sheriff, telling him that bad shit's about to happen. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got this special event. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> and then every time some bad shit happens and the mayor doesn't listen and then he ends up dying. So, you know, the sheriff's like been trying to tell this guy, the mayor, to because he's got this special meeting with the governor he's trying to become the governor and then all shit breaks loose at the party 
Oh, there was also that scene where like uh, Drago's trying to rape that girl at the house at the end when they're trying they're trying to set up these like fucking uh, this conductor, this charger, this electric thing that'll like do this like battery, four, right? Yeah, it's like forty thousand volts or something like that, and they're gonna kill the beast. And uh, Drago shows up, of course, to fucking try to rape the fucking the female deputy. Who? Uh, oh my god! Before I go there. We've got to talk about the the sex scene. The sex scene. <laughs> I have to talk about this. Porn. So Sheriff Jack and Deputy Lisa find a body in the road and are chased by the night derp, I guess. And Jack falls in a huge ditch and hurts his leg. <laughs> and Lisa takes him home. Lisa's the deputy. Not to the doctors. Not to the Ruth. Not at all. No, back to her house. And the scene really cracked me up, by the way, when I watched it, because it was funny. I forgot about that. He's like sitting on the bed and she starts taking off his pants. He's like, hey, now, wait a minute. And she's what like, are you <laughs> what are you embarrassed? He's like, no. no. <laughs> and she fixes up his leg and then takes off her top exposing her fucking breast to him and telling him she's going to take a shower and she'll be right back. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> but then when she returns, he wakes up because he like lays back, I guess. And then she's like, how's the leg? And he's like, it's better. She's like, well, I better get dressed then, huh? No. He's like, no. And he smiles at her. And you know, he's like, you know, you're a very attractive girl, Lisa. I guess I never noticed. Time to fuck to love style piano music. And they sing a song, Tonight's Tonight! (laughs) (laughs) And they fought the beast. Now it's time to fuck. (laughs) In the middle of them fighting this fucking beast, dude, which even Don Doler was cracking up about. (laughs) He was like, yeah, it's like we had to put this sex scene in it. He's like, back in the day, you guys got to understand. He's like... It was different back then, you know? Like, we had to have scenes like that. Sex sells. Yes, sex sells back then. Like, it was a thing. And he was like, you know. That's why in every slasher movie. He's like, I didn't, he's like, I didn't personally think it fit, but we just like had to put it in there. Yeah. He's like, I don't really like the scene, but he he just laughed, you know. (laughs) I just thought that was pretty fucking great. Like, uh, and just think, J.J. Abrams was uh, snapping one out while he was writing music to this. (laughs) Oh, by the way, we never even told each other what our scores were. I gave you my score for Night Killer. What'd you give your score for this? I'm talking about. Well, I, I for a Z movie, I, and especially now that I know more information about the JJ. Oh, so thing, it, it took you to know that to appreciate it. it, 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 it I would say what, a ten. Like, oh, fuck off! You're not gonna give it a ten. No, out of ten, it'd be like oh, out of ten. Yeah, yeah out of ten, like three. Okay. That's fair. Whatever. As long as it's not a half a point. Like, I don't know where you get that from. You're killing me with that shit. Yeah, but that's... I mean, do you have any other scene? What was the last scene you were the last, talking about? The, the last scene, yeah, where they're setting up this battery and Steve Price was, you know, running the wires around the tree to trap the goober monster. The, the derpasaurus. <laughs> the, the derpasaurus. And uh, he, he, he gets ta- the the derpasaurus gets tangled up in these the night wi- beast man it has a name <laughs> I'm just kidding it gets tangled up in these wires before he can finish right uh, hooking them up so and then he just yells at the doctor or scientist or whatever the hell she is to just hit it and like it just completely just blows his fucking face off. 
Yeah, he's like this like chunky mass on the ground with a pair of eyes. And like teeth. A, yeah. <laughs> it looks like just a skull with like bugged out eyes. Right, like his face is fucking just popped. Yeah, like I'm right like, damn, 40,000 volts does that? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Looked like a nuclear holocaust or oh, some man, shit. It was bad. And like when he was getting electrocuted, it almost reminded me of like the giant monster movies. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and the beast explodes after that too. So it yeah. just pops. And then all of a sudden, the sheriff and the deputy embrace and end credits. <laughs> Tonight's the night, that beast Sorry. So you like this better than the other one? Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't agree. And you go fuck yourself, Patrick. I'm all right, kidding. I will do that. I just had so much enjoyment out of the fucking Night Killer movie, man. That shit was funny to me. Like, it, it's so fun. Yeah, out of respect for you, I will watch it again. I really, I mean, I really think that if you watch, like, it with somebody and just... I think that part of the reason that maybe you didn't like Night Killer is because of some of the sexual situations that made you feel a little uncomfortable, maybe. And because of it, you didn't see it, but it, it's all a ruse. It's all a ruse by the end. They all right. faked it. It could have been. Like I said, out of respect for you, I will watch this. I will give this movie another chance. Okay. Well, you know, I think that if you guys want to check these out, I mean, you're definitely in for bad movies. So if you've if you've run out of all these mainstream movies that you can get any fucking day that never really do anything unique and, you know, see, that's what I like about these fucking little rundown shithole fucking movies. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like this is this is this is where the magic begins. You know what I mean? (laughs) This is fucking these attempts at horror and these attempts at fucking acting and stuff are so intriguing to me because like it is so infinitely easy to say what is a good movie versus a bad movie but it is infinitely harder to make a good movie versus a bad movie this is very true so that's why i love that because in someone's mind they had a vision and when they went to put it out a little turd rolled out and in that turd was called night killer now <laughs> wouldn't it be crazy <laughs> If he tried to do a bad movie, ended up making like a good movie, a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, because every single one of his movies, he tried to do a good movie. No, but oh, he tra- intentionally tried to make a bad movie, and right. ended up making a great. movie. Well, think of it that way. What if he it, had intentionally made Night Killer to be a bad movie? Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, then he hit the mark. You, know, like- <laughs> you nailed it, buddy. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Have you guys seen these movies? Like, would did you like these movies? Do you love these movies? Do you hate these movies? Uh, I would love to hear from you. Uh, tell me how wrong I am, like you always do every week, and stand up for Patrick instead of me. Whatever. I don't give a fuck. Did they do that last week no, for me? No. no okay. Everybody stood around. up for you. Everybody loves That's not true. Mad, it has nothing to do with me. Many people are very vocal about not liking these mo- liking uh You? Uh, Slaughter. Or, or they liked Slaughterhouse over the other one. So Did they? Yeah, there was people there. There was a lot of people. It was pretty even for the most part if you were to add up all the scores on uh, all the polls that I put on. I think I put it up on 150 different sites. Oh. I'm kidding. No. Uh-huh. I did. <laughs> You got some time. Well, I started, you know, Slaughterhouse started winning, and I had to, like, put out more. I was like, <laughs> shit. And then I deleted the ones that I didn't like that were too heavy on Slaughterhouse, and I was like, <laughs> I'm oh. totally kidding. I only did it on. I had to block the comments. You know, <laughs> I had to turn the comments off. It was so I had insane. to make 60 fucking different accounts and, like... <laughs> Like them with my other accounts, you know what I mean? <laughs> Just to make sure that it was legit. Downvote, downvote, yeah. downvote. <laughs> yeah, block them. Fuck you. <laughs> no, uh, but yeah, guys, I mean, you know me. I love fucking shitty movies. Um, 
I always tell you, though, if they are, so you can be like, okay, it's one of those again, you know, or you'd be like, oh, it's one of those again. Nice. Uh, but yeah, let us know what you think in the comment section below. Uh, just a heads up. Don't forget, we do have a VIP club that you can sign up for. We did give it away last week to somebody and they gave us pictures and we posted it. Um, we have uh, several months ahead actually set up for a bunch of Blu-rays and DVDs and stuff. You know, Christina's theming them up for you guys. So uh, we are I will tell you this. We are going to include a copy of Hobo with a Shotgun on DVD for you guys uh, in this next one. So if you want to sign up and win a copy, relive some of that Rutger Hauer magic, uh, you could win it for free by just signing up at longlivethevoid.com. But I wish you guys the best of luck. Thank you guys all for stopping by this week. And we'll always see you next week. And as always, Long Live the Void. So...